When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Ali Moreno and Stevie Nicol alongside myself, Kay Murray in the studio a little later in the show. Nader Manua and Frank LeBuff will be joining us because we're going to be looking ahead to that big game in the Premier League at Anfield on Sunday. It is Liverpool <laughs> against Manchester United. But don't worry, Stevie, you can breathe for just a moment because first we're going to talk about a big game in the Bundesliga. It was Borussia Dortmund taking on RB Leipzig, a battle at the top of the table between two of the titles. Rivals. We're going to pick it up in the 13th minute when Borussia Dortmund thought they had gone ahead through the man of the moment, Julian Brandt, but this one was called out for handball. Well, it's unlucky because it's a lovely little ball through from Bellingham. And there's no question, it does just glance his right arm. Julian Brandt there can't, can't complain. It does, it's a good finish, but it doesn't count. No, it does not, and so it went back to nil-nil. And before that, we had seen a couple of chances from Christopher Nkunku getting his first start of 2023. Here we see him take down Marco Royce, receives a yellow for this. Should it have been a red alley? I think it's fortunate to stay on the field. It's a really bad talent. It, it, he just doesn't catch him cleanly enough, but the ball is nowhere near. He is endangering the opponent. I think that should have been a red card. <laughs> says a little bit. He said, I'll get you next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what he said, but I'm sure he was just saying, I'm sorry, I did not mean it. Then Marco Royce gets his side of penalty. Easy decision for the referee. Good little run in behind. He's going past the keeper. Definitely clips him. Catches himself with his left foot and down he goes. He steps up. He converts. He becomes the second all-time goal scorer in Borussia Dortmund history, level with Mikel Zorc. Side net and penalty, that's what, that's perfect. Yeah, Edin Terzic definitely liked that one. Soon enough, it was going to be 2-0. It's a poor clearance from Solo slide that puts it into the pass of Henry Chan. He's hanging around top of the 18-yard box, hits it straight into the ground, goes through a lot of bodies. Last week doesn't react on time. By the time he sees the ball, it's too late. Two enough. We're going to see Marco Royce force a save out of Blasvik here. I mean, that was him. As soon as it left his foot, it looked in. But what a super save. Right at the last second, keeper gets his left hand up, tips it over the crossbar. We did see a much stronger Leipzig in the second half, and they did get one on the board. And Schlotterbeck keeps everybody on side. The ball is being played over the top by Schlager, and once Schlotterbeck keeps everybody on side, he does have an opportunity to clear out the danger, but he says, you know what, let me double down. Goes between the legs of Schlotterbeck onto the sliding Smil Forsberg. Uh, Schlotterbeck does make up for his mistake by protecting his goalkeeper here. Yeah, it's good defending. Gets back to back his goalkeeper up, and that ball looks goal-bound, and he gets his shoulder in the way and knocks it clear. The corners came after that. Forsberg, very close here. It's a really clean ball. He's the problem is he hits it straight at Alexander Meyer. 
anywhere to the side is a goal. Hits it really well, but right at the goalkeeper. And so Borussia Dortmund held on and are now perfect in all competitions in 2023. That's 10 games in total, eight in the Bundesliga. Archie Rintot was pitch side for us. He spoke to Edin Terzic after the game. How did that feel for you when the final whistle went today? Great. Very simple. It was a, a very important win for us. Um, it was a very good first half. Uh, we played some really good stuff in the first half and in the second half it was about uh, defending and we did it very passionate and uh, so it was of course this is a top game uh, for the Bundesliga I think everybody enjoyed the game it was up and down all the time um, and the first half we've been uh, very dominant and played some really good football in the second half um, Leipzig was very dominant and, and created lots of chances even though we had a big big one um, to took the lead uh, even up to 3-0 with Marco Reus um, with a good safe by, by the goalie um, but it was a very good game it was really important now um, we, 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 we achieved what we wanted so we, we get the next three points and we are now seven points clear of Leipzig this is uh, what we worked for today and we are really delighted yeah, congratulations for the win and for the performance uh, your um, wing back your right wing back in the first half was a playmaker did you uh, expect him to play like this uh, even the the pass for the for the penalty and a lot of lot of good situations from your right wing back for Marius Wolf yeah, Marius played a really good game. Um, so it was clear that if we take this kind of positions and the build-up play, they have to make a choice. They have to choose, um, are they closing the center or are they closing the wing-back? And so they choose to close the center because we had some good moments also from the center. If you see the disallowed goal, this is what we wanted with the holding mid to play the ball in behind for our number 10. Um, and then when they stop, uh, closing, closing the wingbacks and, stop, uh, and starting to close the center. We knew that we need our fullbacks. And Marius is not only performing this day uh, today uh, like this. He's performing really well also in the recent recent weeks. And so we are really happy with him. Emre Chan said to us that it's difficult to not say that it feels special here at Dortmund right now. Is that infecting you as well? Yeah, this is what we hope that we can create, that the people are enjoying uh, playing us, uh, see us play at home and that they can't wait to come back to see us playing again. And this is what you can feel all over the week. Um, so you, 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 we, we know that um, we need our fans and today they helped us uh, to, to defend the goal by the end of the game and hopefully we could make them happy and hopefully they're going to enjoy the next games as well. Those next games as well. A couple of those coming up worth talking about. But as it stands, Borussia Dortmund will go to sleep on Friday night as league leaders with Bayern Munich playing against Stuttgart on Saturday. Let's get word then from Archie Rintop because obviously he was the man speaking to everybody after the game. It feels special. Is that definitely the way it is to be there as well, Archie, right now? I think so, Kay. Something really struck me was when at halftime we were speaking to a journalist here from Dortmund and he was saying that it's reminding him about this is Jurgen Klopp times actually. And that for me is telling you the kind of mood that is around Dortmund right now. It is something which is brewing and I can feel it in the stadium and there's moments that are going for them, like Nico Schlotterbeck clearing off the line with his shoulder, but also the way that they continue to roll with the punches. Thinking about Gregor Kobel, who's been so important for them in goal, he's out of the game five minutes before because he pulls up with a muscular injury. 
and yet Alexander Meyer comes in and he makes a brilliant save, which you wouldn't really back him to make. And it's just those little moments that make you think, maybe it could be Dortmund's year. Yeah, it's interesting. The stats are backing up the whole Jurgen Klopp era as well. The last time they went on a run of eight straight wins under a single coach in the Bundesliga was under Jurgen Klopp in the 2011-2012 season. They did go on to win a domestic double. They nearly let it slip today, Ale. Yes, they did. Look, I, I really like Borussia Dortmund in the first half. They gave a couple of half chances to Nkunku early on, but then after that they really dominated the game and they were very good about processing information and problem solving on the field and figuring out where are the spaces. Well, it was clear to see that the spaces were out wide, particularly behind the space left open by Marcel Halstenberg. Once they figured that out, they just exploited that time and time again, whether it was Marius Wolf, Julian Brand, Marco Royce, whoever peeled into that space usually was open. And then you're able to play through Bellingham. He then distributes the play out wide and you saw Borussia Dortmund creating chance after chance after chance scoring a couple of goals. I didn't like the approach in the second half. I understand that you want to uh, perhaps get organized behind the ball and absorb some pressure, invite Leipzig, and then go on the counter. That's all fine and well, as long as you go on the counter. What happened is that Dortmund invited Leipzig, but then they forgot to play that ball that first outlet pass so that they can find that transition. And once they essentially gave up on the opportunities going on the counter, then they are absorbing pressure after pressure after pressure, and they're not a good enough team defensively to just sit there and hang on, hang on, hang on. Today, a couple of big saves, a couple of big moments, a couple of missed opportunities from Leipzig. Otherwise, it would have been a different result. The first half I liked from Dortmund, the second half not so much. Stevie, what did you make of today's game? I thought Dortmund got away with it, mm. quite frankly. Second half, there was only one team in it. Uh, as the first half was, Dortmund were by far the better side. You know, for, for me, this game was about who took the chances. Uh, and Leipzig couldn't put theirs in the back of the net. And for Dortmund, they're going to have to learn from this game because... If they're leading in the future against a decent team and they're going to sit back and try and soak up pressure, they must remember that you have to close the ball as well. You know, because you get numbers behind the ball, sometimes makes teams feel safe, but you still have to do the basics. You still have to close the ball and you still have to shuttle them left or right. You still have to do all of these things. And so this has to be a learning curve for Dortmund because going forward, yeah, they can create and they've got guys that can score goals. But if they think they can play against good sides and play the way they did in the second half and defend the way they did, they're not going to get away with it every time like they did today. Ali, are you worried about them against Chelsea? Um, you know what? I don't think so. I, I suppose there were moments in that first leg in which Chelsea actually outplayed Dortmund. But the one thing that I know for certain Dortmund has, Chelsea does not have. And that is attacking talent that can actually put the ball in the back of the net. So until Chelsea prove, not that they can score multiple goals, that they can score one goal. <laughs> I'm only asking for one goal. Until they can prove they can score a single goal, you cannot in any way sit here and support Chelsea and say, yeah, this is a team that you can trust. I think Borussia Dortmund will have 
enough to get past Chelsea and they'll defend well enough against a team that quite frankly struggles to create an opportunity and score goals. But it is only one goal in yeah. the tie right now. Karim Adeyemi with the only goal in that first leg. What's the feeling in Germany about this second leg, Archie? They'd like to have Karim Adeyemi available for the game, Kay. That's a key moment. And that's another punch that they've had to roll with because he was so influential in the last few games, scoring that goal as well, as you mentioned. So that's going to be a big role, I think. Sure, Alexander Meyer did well for Dortmund in goal today, but without Gregor Kobel, he's a big influence at the back in how safe he makes his defenders in front of him feel as well. They're confident right now, and on the kind of run they are, there has certainly been some luck. Emre Chan admitted as much to us. So I don't think that anyone's going to disagree with Stevie's take, for example, that they got away with it a bit in the second half. But let's also not forget the intensity with which this game was played at as well. It was an insane tempo at times. And I'm not surprised that Dortmund ran out of gas at some point. Even Leipzig towards the end, sure, they went down to 10 men because of Salva Schlager's injury. But I think it's impossible to run and always get out to your opponent every time. Such was what was being demanded of them from Leipzig. There's still enough from this team. There is that momentum and the belief. And the belief and the mentality is something that Dortmund have lacked in the last few years. And that's such a key element for them to have. And credit goes to Edin Terzic. He's brought things out of players that you just didn't think was possible. Whether it's the revival of Julian Brandt, Emre Chan, Marius Wolf playing balls with the outside of his right foot to set up that penalty for Marco Royce. I didn't think I'd ever see that. So, yeah, uh, Dortmund are in a good place right now and they believe. They do believe they got through this one as well, but Leipzig fell seven points behind them. You think that means they're out of the title race now, Ali? Thanks for coming, guys. Uh, it's time to turn the lights off and warm up the ball. It's time to go home. Leipzig will not be part of the title conversation in Bundesliga. They'll be part of the top four conversation, and that's about it. It's too much of a difference to make up, and potentially if Bayern Munich, as we expect, beats Stuttgart, it's not just one team that you're chasing, it's two teams that you're chasing. I don't think it happens for Leipzig. This, I think, was a wasted opportunity. There was a chance here for Leipzig to get back really in the conversation as a main player. They did not. They're out. All right, then quickly, Archie, what can we expect from Stuttgart Bayern? Ah, the South Classic as it's called, the Zoodklassiker. Problem is, it's not been so classic for Stuttgart in a while. They, I can't remember the last time they beat them. It's been that long in Stuttgart. Anyway, there was a time not so long ago where they won in the Allianz Arena, and they did get a 2-2 draw there early this season. And that's the bit that makes me think maybe they could get something tomorrow because Bayern have only really dropped points and lost games even in the Bundesliga when you've least expected it. In the big games, I think they've turned up. Even here, they were probably unfortunate to draw 2-2 in the end. So, look. Interesting times with Leroy Sane, whether he'll even make the squad tomorrow, despite the fact he's fit. Thomas Muller played very well last week, whether he can follow that up again against a team which is fighting for its life at the bottom of the table. I do see an away win here, but who knows?
knows? The Bundesliga is not necessarily as predictable as many think it is. Yeah, you can expect the unexpected this season. Thanks so much for being with us at Archie Rin Tut. You can watch that game on ESPN Plus and every single Bundesliga game remaining this season. Make sure to always catch it. It is Stuttgart against Bayern Munich, 12.30 Eastern on Saturday. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Quite the matchup this weekend in the Premier League Sunday. Anfield, Liverpool taking on Manchester United. An historic rivalry, both sides having different seasons so far, it's fair to say. Last time, last year, this fixture finished 4-0 to Liverpool. Taking a look at the odds this time around. Going into it as we now welcome in Frank LaBeouf and Nadem Anua as well. But of course, Stevie, it's a big game. So what better way to start than asking you for a combined um, 11 of these two sides? Yeah, you couldn't ask me two years ago when I was a piece of cake and I was just uh, giving oh. you Liverpool's Hello. 11. Listen, uh, this, First this of all, was, can we put you in the starting 11 yeah, with that like, look? <laughs> Come on now. This was painful putting all these Man United <laughs> players on, let me tell you. But I don't think there's any question right now you have to play De Gea. Uh, Van Dijk and Varane I think is a no-brainer. Uh, Luke Shaw, again, an easy choice. Alexander Arnold at right back was a tough one because mm. I don't fancy Dallow. I think Dallow's an average player defensively and going forward, and one Bissaka going forward doesn't give you anything. So, because of what's beside him, I've gone for Alexander Arnold. Casemiro, no brainer. Fernandez, no brainer. I had a choice of Henderson or Fred. And the fact that Henderson was so influential last week just, he just snuck in there ahead of Fred. I think I. I think a, a Henderson-Casemiro with Fernandez in front of them is, is quite a tasty midfield, plenty of strength. And up front was pretty easy as well. You can't not have Rashford coming in for the left-hand side. And you have to have Veghorst because as a pair, they're working so well together. Yes, Rashford's getting the goals, but a lot of that is because of Veghorst. 
and you have to play Mo Salah. So unfortunately, it's uh, there's rather a lot of United jerseys in there, but hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? But still, Henderson over Fred Nadem. Would you have gone for the same? Uh, I think overall, yeah, but maybe that's because Jordan's my friend, so I guess that's an easy decision to make. <laughs> but in fairness, Fred has been doing exceptionally well recently. I think the, the turn in which he's had at Man United is astonishing because you used to hear of that McFred partnership and how bad the two of them were, but now it seems like Fred has put himself in a level where people, they know what he's going to bring, he's going to be scoring goals, he's going to be affecting games in a positive manner. You know, and this, you know, what a chance it is to have, was it 16 yards out, goalkeeper just falls to the side. But he's had a big impact to United. The fans seem to be right on board with him. And yeah, I suppose it's, uh, I'd say overall he's playing better football than Jordan Henderson. But Jordan's my guy, so unfortunately I can't take him out, even though I'm Man United TV. <laughs> Ali, about Veghast making it into the 11 for Stevie Nicola. Now, I was surprised about this because usually when the name of Darwin Nunez gets brought up, you're one of the few people that actually has been consistently yep. supportive Correct. of Darwin Nunez. And Darwin Nunez has, has been doing fine. He's been doing well, if you ask me. But not as well as Pecos. Well, Darwin Nunez has been coming off the left-hand side. Gakpo's been the one playing through the middle. So, you know, if... if you could if play was, him down the middle, If though. I was allowed to shuffle the pack, but then, at the end of the day, the combination of Veghorst and Rashford from Man United has been absolutely huge. So I've got to take my blinkers off and, and play the and pick the best team. So yeah, I, I'm quite happy with Nunez. He's learning he's still learning his trade, he's still got a long way to go. He's he's still involved, he's still a, a pain in the neck for them that plays against him. But unfortunately for him, Rashford right now is on fire. I, I do have a general question. This is based upon current form. Right now. Right now. Pretty much. So what makes you believe that right now, where we are, Virgil van Dijk gets anywhere near this team? Well, he's only played three games. We're not talking about Virgil van Dijk of before he got injured. Are you telling me he's been really bad since he came back? Oh, well, he hasn't been really good, I'll he tell you that much. He hasn't been... Well, well who else am I going to play? Your boy! Yeah, right, right. Your guy! That's where yeah. it was going. Yeah. Your guy! I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. If anybody's picking Martinez above Virgil van Dijk, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm retiring. I'm retiring. Well, I'm just saying it. I mean, Varane, come on. Varane and Virgil van Dijk, are you serious? No, that's why I asked on current form. I asked a question. I just wanted to know what the criteria was. That's all. There you go. I wonder what Frank makes of the back line that Stevie's got. I'm happy with um, even the, the combined 11, but I would say the back line, I'm more in a question mark about Trent Alexander-Arnold because right now I think Juan Bissaka is doing better um, defensively for sure, but also offensively he does his job. Of course, he hasn't got the talent of Alexander-Arnold, but if we judge right now what Juan Bissaka is doing, I think he's, uh, he gets some credit and maybe could be put in that uh, position. Otherwise, I'm happy. I think... Um, uh, Stevie made a good job, and uh, to put Vergos showed that uh, he's, uh, he's really judging the current uh, form from every player. So, uh, fair enough. Well done, Stevie. Thanks, Frank. But you can understand the problem I had. Because this year is not all of a sudden Alexander-Arnold hasn't been defending well. 
when Liverpool were winning Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues, he wasn't defending well then either. So, you know, I'm not picking Alexander on and what he does defensively at all. It just so happens that Juan Bissaka. I mean, I can't disagree with Frank when he says that he's done he's done better going forward. But what does that mean? He doesn't have an assist. He doesn't play killer passes. I mean, what, what, he, he, he's a he's a he's a felicitator, isn't he? <laughs> He's a right back, Stevie. He's a defender. He's a right back defensively. So yeah, yeah. Voilà. Yeah, I mean defensively, yeah. Trent, then, that's not saying much because most people are better than Trent defensively. Trent against Rashford this weekend. How is that mm. going to go down? Well, that, that, you better ask Canati uh, because that's his job. You know, again, I'll say it, and I've said it a thousand times. Jurgen Klopp plays the percentage game. That. What he gets from Trent going forward is gonna is gonna balance itself with what he doesn't get defensively. And more times than not, what he gets going forward is just complete and utter world-class delivery. There's no other way to put it. So that's that's what it is. It means that the people around him, and I'm talking about Fabinho, I'm talking about Henderson, I'm, I've mentioned Canati there defensively, they all have to get around and help him out, which is what they did the years they won the Premier League and the Champions League. Everybody mocked in and, and helped him out for the deficiencies that he had because he did it the other way going forward. And, and, and you feel confident enough that Konate is going to do a better job, certainly, than what Joe Gomez did against Vinicius right. Jr., for example, yes. which is a similar type of player. Correct. And, and offers the same sort of threat going forward because that didn't go so well for Trent Alexander-Arnold or anybody involved defensively for Liverpool. No. No, listen, there's no question. If I'm Manchester United, I am looking to hurt Liverpool down that, down that side of the field. Unfortunately for Man United, they're at Anfield. Anfield's not a normal place if you're a Manchester United football player. The hatred and, and, the, and the, the abuse and all the horrible things about the game that you get when you go near Anfield as a Man United player affects Manchester United players. Listen, Wayne Rooney... One of the best players that ever put a Manchester United jersey on. Barely played at Anfield. And when he did, he hardly kicked a ball. There's a, there's a different atmosphere at Anfield for a Manchester United player. So, yes, a flowing, happy, go-lucky Rashford, yes, is fantastic. But is that what we're going to get at Anfield? Because there's not many of those in a Man United jersey over the years that have produced that. Eric, Eric Ten Hag said his side are going to be unfazed by the Well, Anfield Eric Ten Hag has never been to Anfield. This is as what a coach he said. For a Man United v Liverpool game. Well, he's relishing the opportunity. He says, I'm looking forward to it, the ambience, the atmosphere. It will be great. It will be hostile against us, but we like that. Fergie used to say that as well. <laughs> yep. Uh, did, how did it go for him? Nadim, what do you think of what Eric Ten Hag said here? Um, obviously there'd probably be more context around it but it's a, it's a bold statement because as Stevie said this is a very very big rivalry and the uh, Liverpool fans do like to make sure that players arriving there do know all about it and I think for them it means that for those players they need to go and match that energy themselves so in some ways it's not going to be a game which United will ever probably feel comfortable in and I think that's the nature of that match itself so Ten Hag he's obviously seen fixtures in the past but I don't know this is um 
this is going to be a very, very tough game for them. But then also, you know, I'm sure when we get to predictions, I'm sure most people are still very reluctant to say Liverpool are going to win because United are in such a great vein of form. But I'm sure the occasion is not going to face him. But as a player, once you're out there, it's very different when you can't even communicate with someone five yards away because the noise is so loud every time you get the ball. Frank, though, they are riding high on confidence, Manchester United, especially with that cup under their belt now. Do you think they'll be unfazed by this atmosphere at Anfield? Um, I, I want to believe Stevie when he says that when you play at Anfield, uh, especially when you're a Manchester United fan, you know, um, the rivalry between the two clubs makes you wonder, you know, if you're going to survive in the middle of the park and uh, it's always difficult. So they're going to be... Now, they're going to, not going to be surprised because we, they all know what, what they can expect. But are they ready? I don't know. You know, a game is a game. We are talking about human beings, you know, how they think through the game and uh, what they think before the game. Uh, it's, uh, it's really uh, uh, something you cannot answer before you see the game. So I guess some players are going to be um, um, affected by the situation. And if it goes a little bit wrong at the beginning, it can be a disaster. So I'm not surprised with Ten Hag reaction. What else could I, could I have said? You know, nothing much. You know, he cannot say, no way, are we going to be scared? You know, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be tough for us. He has to say, yeah, it's going to be hostile. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, of course, everybody has said that. And, uh, and we'll see, you know, tomorrow how it works. Well, Nadam mentioned the predictions, so let's bring up the predictions oh. of the panel on how things are going to go down in this game between the two. Oh, hello. Everybody's going for a draw. Wait a minute, what? Is a draw enough for each team, Stevie? <laughs> Manchester United in the title race, Liverpool trying to make the top four. Probably, yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think, listen, if you're Man United, you'll take a point at Anfield. Before, before a ball's kicked, if you're offered it. Liverpool, Liverpool not so much because they're at home, but still, considering Considering the lack of points that Liverpool have to, to, to at least draw the game, I guess you might accept it. Nadam, did you give it the old hmm when I asked that question? Uh, was, um, I think it might have been Frank. I think Frank's got a big reaction coming. Okay. I should probably send it to <laughs> Frank, him, I reckon. Frank, what was that reaction for? For what? For, for that? For, for, for the, all the people draw, saying it's a draw? Yep. I think I think nobody wants. To, I think nobody wants to admit that <laughs> we don't really like Manchester United and we don't want them to win. <laughs> what? Oh, 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 sorry. Oh, what? Oh, oh, and wait definitely not Nathan. Oh. They're lucky charm. <laughs> no, no. I I'm think, there again I think in two weeks. We Literally, want, I can't we get enough of the place. <laughs> you, you know, and I'm going to tell you why. Because in the 90s, Manchester United was so successful that uh, everybody is a little bit. Um, uh, I would say um, uh, upset about the situation, and especially me. And I saw Manchester United being successful, so so successful, so I started to hate them. Well, it's not the case anymore. But I think I think uh, having a draw for Manchester United at Anfield would be a very good result. I don't think Liverpool is good enough against Manchester United right now to get more than a draw. I think it would be a bad point for Liverpool because they need the three points. But uh, that's only a fair result for, for, for the form that we, we see uh, between, the, between both teams. You know, uh, let me just translate for Frank. So 
So when Frank says that nobody likes Manchester United, he's really saying, I don't like Manchester totally United. Yeah, he's, he's, he's more like <laughs> Frank doesn't like Manchester United, and that's why he gave it a draw instead of Manchester United win. The reason I go for a draw is because I do believe in the environment that Stevie is talking about and that there is a something special about the rivalry and what this does for this Liverpool team. I have it as a 2-2 draw because I don't think that Liverpool can defend properly. And I'm afraid that at times, because of that environment, these fans are going to push Liverpool into a back and forth. And when they get into a back and forth, it used to be a good thing, not quite the case nowadays, because they don't control games anymore. So management of the game on the field from Liverpool is the thing that is going to keep them in this match. If they're able to manage moments in which, yes, they can get on a back and forth, and then moments in which they have to slow it down, which seems to be against everything that Liverpool has been over the past few seasons, that's when they get a draw. If they get on a crazy back and forth, I don't think Liverpool keeps up, and I think Manchester United wins. I'll take the draw for now. Let's talk about some news coming out of the Liverpool camp right now. It's been confirmed by his... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kay. I'm going to translate myself what I meant when I meant that everybody ah. hates Manchester United. When you played... When you played in the Premier League, when you played in the Premier League, I can tell you, if you played in the Premier League, nobody likes Manchester United. That's a fact. Because they've been so successful in the 90s, we don't like them. Steve Nichols doesn't like Manchester United because he played for Liverpool. I'm pretty sure Nadam Onua played for Manchester City, so I'm pretty sure he doesn't like Manchester United. I played for Chelsea, I don't like Manchester United. Now I respect the players, I respect the club, and I respect so much that club. It's why I hate them, because they've been so successful. That's the reason why we don't like them, because they've been successful. Nadam used to have a cassette tape of Manchester United. I'll just put that out there just so we can no, confirm that he doesn't, stop it. he doesn't hate them. We need to talk about Roberto Firmino. It's been confirmed that he's leaving in the mm. summer. It's the end of an era, that Stevie, isn't it? Yeah, that front three. Sadio Mane, Salah, Firmino. And probably Firmino is the one who's probably mentioned the least about the three. But like all good things, Without him, without that cog in that three, the other two don't get the goals. They, 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 they do. I mean, every, everything went through him. As far as playing football-wise, yes, yes, they put the ball over the top and the pace of, of Salah and Sadio Mane, at times they would score goals one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. But as far as general play is concerned, Bobby Firmino was the man who either played the pass or who made the hole or who did something with those dainty little feet and played a little pass round the outside, inside, upside, and around, and you're going, how did he do that? And, and Salah or Sadio Mane would put it in the back of the net. I mean, he was the glue that kept everything together. And I would actually say right now, even though Bobby Firmino's at the club, they're missing him up front. And the reason they're missing him is not because of his goals, because he didn't score that many goals for a centre-forward. But his hold-up play, I mean, you watch Liverpool right now. When the ball goes forward, it doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. Everything's 100 miles an hour, down the right, down the left, through the middle. And if it's not a goal, then they lose the ball and the opposition are getting at the back line. That's what's happening with Liverpool now. Bobby Firmino 
was instrumental in that not happening when Liverpool would go forward. If they never scored or they never created, he was the guy that kept the ball. And who, he's the guy that let all the back line get up to the halfway line so that everybody could squeeze the opposition, so that when they lost the ball, they get the ball back. A lot of that is down to Bobby Firmino. Can, can and, you, can, and he's not there now. Can you show me his dainty little feet again, please? Oh, I mean, some of, some of the little balls he flicked round corners and... And over players, I mean, just fantastic. Just, just beautiful to watch. Uh, yeah, remember Jurgen Klopp saying in 2018, Sadio Mane, world-class, but not every day. Mo Salah, world-class, but not every day. Bobby Firmino, world-class, almost, almost every day. Yeah. They're definitely going to be missed, and what an era that was for Liverpool. Let's talk about another game coming up this weekend. It is Chelsea against Leeds. Everybody has had their prediction on this one as well as we take a look at the odds for it. Everybody is saying a win for Chelsea, even though they lost to Southampton last weekend. <laughs> that is bottom of the league, Southampton. So, Frank, why are they going to win this game? We all predicted that Chelsea is going to win the game because everybody loves Chelsea. That's the reason why. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Speak for yourself, but, uh, Frank. No, because... No, because they can't, they cannot lose every game. At a certain point, you know, they would have to win at least one, you know, and well, let's see. And uh, I really believe that against Leeds, it's, it's really the time for them to win one game at least before the Dortmund uh, uh, return game, second tie. So look at the, all the numbers, you know, and see how many games they lost, 10 games under Potter. I mean, it's absolutely horrendous. So I really believe that there is one game they're going to win and maybe change the mood of the, of the team and the, and the dressing room, hopefully. Is that a good enough reason, Nadem? They have to win a game sometime? Um, yeah, to be honest, my prediction in this one is similar to sort of my reason for predicting that 2-2 in the last game. And it's just because, like, teams, Liverpool and Chelsea have both struggled overall this season. But I just feel like I can't not bet on them at some point. And I think for Chelsea, even though they've scored, I think, two goals in what feels like forever, I just feel like they can do it, especially because it's at home. And then secondly, it's against Leeds. Leeds haven't got the best defensive record. And they're not exactly in the best moment now either. So I just keep thinking with the talent that Chelsea have, at some point it will happen. So be it. I've been saying this for the last three months. But... I just can't separate myself from it and it looks like nobody else can either so I'm going for a, I think it's a 2-0 win and yeah I'll probably be proven wrong again. Everybody loves Chelsea which is why everybody's got uh, them going yeah. for a win right? Frank's right yeah. Why have you got them going for a win? I, I don't quite <laughs> understand how we get to two goals though right? Look at this well, point. Because eventually they've got to score two haven't they? Well first you've got to score one. And this well. team hasn't proven that they can do that. <laughs> but I will say that even if it is an unknown goal, Chelsea will take a win even if it is on an unknown goal, right? You'll take it any way you can. They're desperate for a result. That's why I think it's grind out, stressful, ugly, but one nothing nonetheless for Chelsea. Stevie? Pretty much everything the boys have said. A lot of it's down to percentages. It's nothing to do with playing. Leeds... <laughs> I mean, clean sheets and leads just don't go in the same sentence, pretty much. They got one last week, which is bad news for them, because they probably can't do it two weeks in a row, which means Chelsea will score. That's it. Maybe. That's about it. I'm clinging on to, <laughs> I'm clinging on to they've got to score eventually. 
All right, let's take a look at another big game coming up at the weekend then. Newcastle have just lost in the final of the Carabao Cup and now here's your reward. You get to go to the Etihad to take on Manchester City. Just a look at the odds for this one and once again it is wins across the board from the panel. Everybody's saying that City will win. Nadem, do you think that Carabao Cup loss will affect Newcastle? Um, I think they were pretty much affected for the last sort of month anyway. I don't think they've won a league game since January 15th, so they've not exactly been in the best spot. But I think in some ways, if it was to affect them, in my opinion, given how Eddie Howe is, Eddie Howe is as a manager, I think it will probably just really focus them in on this sort of running towards the end of the season now. And yes, they don't necessarily have the form, but they know exactly how many games they've got left this season now. And every game for them, if they're going to be, you know, potentially getting back into that top four, will have to feel like a must win. So I, I think in some ways that will help them. That game's been and gone now. They felt the disappointment, but they've had a taste of what success could be like. And as I say now, it's just a case of these are the games we have left to play. We try and win as many of these games as we can, sort of address this sort of negative run that we're on at the moment. And who knows, maybe it starts with a very, very big result against City. But from my perspective, I just don't see it that way, just because City at home tends to be somewhat of a juggernaut. Frank has got 4-0 on this one. Frank, just a reminder of Newcastle's defensive record. They've only conceded 15 goals all season, six in their last 14 Premier League games. So what... Do you think it's going to happen differently here? Well, I'm 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 afraid of uh, I'm scared for them from uh, since since they lost the, the last game, which would have been a fantastic uh, um, uh, goal for them, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm scared of a disaster. In fact, you know, I think the decompression after the loss could be huge. And, uh, and uh, what makes Newcastle very good is, uh, is the fact that they all play together, they fight together. Maybe sometimes the football is not the greatest, but uh, we are in the ancient or the old uh, way of playing football where it's always about the spirit. But after the loss of a big game against Manchester United last week, I'm just afraid that uh, they don't find the spirit back and, uh, and the mood that they need to... Uh, to beat um, or to to uh, to fight against Manchester City. It's why I put the four 0 because I'm afraid of a complete disaster. Newcastle fighting for that top four spot. Why have you got that? I, I get the feeling the dam's bust. As far as defensively is concerned, you know, Pope's going to be missing again, right? He's going to be suspended. You've got a defence that, in my as I said, the dam's bust. I, I get the feeling, and you've got a team that going forward that was scaring the opposition because of the because of the pace and the quickness and the desire and, and, and the finishing and every, everything that was good about attacking teams has disappeared. I mean, it's disappeared. It's not, it's not that they're not even making chances and missing them, really. They're not the same side going forward. And defensively, I, th I think, I, think they're gonna, I just don't see them defending the way they did uh, in the first part of the season. So I, I've said three, but... I think it could be four as, as, as well as Frank. OK, well, there's plenty of Premier League action coming up this weekend. And, of course, the boys will be talking about it on ESPN FC, as always. But the big one is coming up on Sunday at Anfield. Liverpool against Manchester United. And Naden, Frank, Ale and Stevie will all be answering your questions on the latest edition of Extra Time. Be sure to keep up to date with that by subscribing to our YouTube page. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? 
Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Just a reminder of how things stand in La Liga. Cast your eyes to third place Real Sociedad, who picked up a point on Friday in what was a nil-nil draw with Cadiz. A Cadiz side who are, let's say, not doing half as well as Real Sociedad are this season, but they are up in 14th at the moment. A share of the spoils in that game. And a reminder that you can watch every single game in La Liga on ESPN+. Plus. A big weekend ahead, including Barcelona taking on a struggling Valencia and Real Betis at home to Real Madrid. Meanwhile, in the Serie A, runaway leaders Napoli beaten by Maurizio Sarri's Lazio. Just the one goal in this game. Matthias Vecino in the 67th minute with quite the strike from outside the box. Just taking a look at how things do look in the Serie A. Won't be too much of a concern for Napoli. Almost a 20-point lead at the top of the table as they are well-placed to win. Their first Gudetto since the Maradona era. Frank LaBeouf is our new Serie A expert after watching Juve last week. Frank, what did you make of this game? Napoli getting beaten. Well, you know, Kay, I'm a lucky guy, you know, second game to watch in the Serie A and uh, a very good game to watch. Well, not the best game ever, but I would say a pleasant game to watch with uh, congratulations to uh, Mr. Sarri and Spalletti, uh, two very, two very well-organized uh, teams. Uh, and uh, yeah, if we had a dominant Napoli, um, I would say that uh, in the first half, Lazio had the biggest chance and almost scored the goal. And uh, it was saved on the light by the, uh, the captain of, uh, of Napoli. But uh, overall, you know, Napoli had some chances, but we felt that in counter-attack, uh, Lazio could, uh, could make something. And it's what happened once. And what a goal from Vecino, from uh, 30 yards away, fantastic shot. And Meret couldn't do, couldn't do anything. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a bad thing for Napoli to have lost that game. I think it will help them to stick together and to not think that uh, it's over, already over and they're already a uh, uh, champion and they won the, the Scudetto. Um, they did well, but they faced a very good Lazio and uh, maybe it's a good thing for their spirits and the way they will have to finish uh, the, the, the Serie A before, before winning it. So it wasn't a case of them taking the foot off the gas in Serie A, Frank, especially given the fact that they have such a hefty points advantage, Napoli. Well, you know, you know, it's never easy, and you you always face, you know, a good team. And Lazio is they're second in the in the Serie A, and they they're doing great. So um, you you you're not 
we know as professionals that you never have to take uh, things in an easy way, otherwise you're going to be a smash in the face. And it wasn't the case. Napoli played well. They had, a, they had good chances to win that game. It could have gone either way. But uh, let's say that uh, Lazio at some point have been more precise, more clever, and this is how they, uh, Napoli lost. But it's not because they thought it was easy and they're already champion. I don't think that is what it is and what we could think. Um, the, the, the result maybe doesn't reflect the game. Uh, Napoli was more dominant. So they did the job. They were professional, but they, we have to respect the, the, the result. Lazio did very well. Yeah, Napoli will be seeing if they can get the job done when it comes to the Champions League. They have the advantage over Frankfurt going into that round of 16, second leg time. More talk about Serie A and all the other top leagues in Europe over on our podcast every single day. Make sure to download that for bonus content wherever you get your pods. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. And that will do it for the latest edition of ESPN FC. We're going to be answering your questions on oh. extra time now. Oh, yeah. Frank and Naden are going to be back to do so as well. Oh, nice. Let's tell you how Frank prepares for the show too. Stick around, you're oh. going to find out. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. We have Alejandro Moreno, Stevie Nichol, Nader Manua and Frank LaBeouf, who has been combing his oh, beard hello. in preparation for tonight's show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I have it. Always with me, you know, because, uh, well, I can't do that. It will be useless, <laughs> no, yeah, you know, yeah. so, so we're wasting time I like there. doing that. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got, <laughs> right, you got some food in the corner. You got a bit of food stuck in the corner. Oh, sure. <laughs> Over there. Yeah. He's in an egg sandwich during the break, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> Maybe that's what he was getting out of there. Of all, the, of all the things he could have eaten. Yeah, scrambled egg sandwich. Never do that with a beard, Frank. <laughs> never. Uh, what what is your favourite sandwich, I Frank? I will never. I don't think he heard me. Do you, what's your favourite sandwich, Frank? Oh, my favourite sandwich. Um... A uh, simple one, you know, uh, with um, with uh, ham and cheese, easy, okay. with a what? nice French baguette. Very uh, French. Uh, very nice. Uh, that would be jambon fromage. Exactly, jambon beurre fromage. Jambon beurre with a little bit of butter. Well uh-huh. done. Bravo. Who's? Hold on. You can You got Frank. You, Frank, you're far too healthy, man. You got to go for the sausage, bacon, and egg with a mug of tea. Come on. <laughs> Sausage, bacon, and a fried egg. 
Oh. <laughs> you alright, Steve? No, I don't. Steve, you were somewhere. No, but I, every every Sunday we have a brunch with my wife. We have eggs and bacon, but uh, not in a sandwich. No, we bean, don't. Yeah, no, beans. we have the, the bread on, on the side. Beans, fried no, no potatoes. Beans. No, we're not English. Come on. No. Oh. no. I, I feel like I've got everyone now quickly. I'm British. <laughs> Nadem, what's your favourite sandwich? Uh, I'd probably say a Reuben. It's my one. Wow. No, Reuben. No. Stylish. No. You know what? I'm gonna go with Natum. Ah. I'll take a Reuben as well. Of course. But it's all, it's all, you know, that the dressing, the Russian dressing has to be right. It can't be overbearing, it can't make the bread soggy, right? It has to be there to add value, not to take away from the sandwich. That's all I'm saying. All the important questions but on tonight's Ali, show. What do you do with the bread? What do you do with the bread, Ali? If you have a bread from, from France, it will that would taste differently. That's the thing. I, I, I'm not quite sure no. what that has to do with my sandwich, but... All right, let's get on to the well, actual question, shall we? The sandwich is made... Well, the, the Yeah, I'll go, go for the question, because it doesn't All like right. bread. He only wants dressing. It doesn't... Stevie, <laughs> do you think that Liverpool will be able to reach the Champions League positions this season, or will they be playing in the Europa or Conference League in 23-24? Well, you'd have to say the odds are that it's looking like the Europa or the Conference, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the odds are... And that's the odds, but what does your heart tell you? Yeah, Europa Conference. <laughs> what does your head tell you? I've got that the wrong way around, don't I? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, my heart tells me yes, Champions League, but my head tells me Conference and Europa. All right. You don't want any part I of I don't want any part of any of them. Oh. For Frank, is Neymar being ruled out against them the best thing to happen to them PSG seems to not play well in the important games with Mbappe and Neymar in the team this is obviously for the buying game Frank well you know the last time they played without Neymar was last week against Marseille and I have to say that uh, Mbappe and Messi have been outstanding the, the guy in the middle of the park worked very well together we I found a very balanced team so I have to say that it was a very good news for uh, for Parpege and Galtier that Neymar didn't play. Uh, is that because of him not being here that they play better? That, that I don't have the answer and that has to be confirmed. But I have, to, I have to tell you, if they play the way they play against Marseille, with the crazy Mbappé, a fantastic Mbappé and a very smart Messi, Bayern Munich can be in danger because it's not the PSG they played in the, in the first time, for sure. What are your thoughts on this Neymar being ruled out? I, I think it's, it resolves an issue for Gautier. It really does. You don't have to worry about making a big decision. The decision has been made for you. And now it's just a matter of finding a sense. And I, and I say this knowing full well that I'm talking about PSG and how far off they are from having balance. But finding a sense of balance behind Messi and Mbappe. So that then you can go on the attack knowing that you're not just fully stretched and fully exposed. Discipline and balance for PSG is not something that we say all the time, but you have a better chance of doing that without Neymar on the field. Okay, they're going to the Allianz Arena, they're trailing 1-0. Have you got PSG going through? If Neymar plays, no. No, he's not playing. So, they've got a chance. As Frank says, 
if they can if they can have eight behind Mbappe and Messi chasing and harrying and tackling and fighting and biting and whatever it takes, they've got a chance. But if, if Neymar's playing as well, no, forget can that. I, can I change my sandwich answer? I just thought about it. Pulled pork, barbecue sandwich. That is my favorite. Good choice. <laughs> on French bread, it would be even better. No, Well, no, no, it doesn't have to be French bread. It, it would be better. From Lexington Barbecue in North Carolina. <laughs> That's it, where it's at. Can I it just say as well? It has to be French bread, Ali. It has to be French bread. Yeah. Can I just say as well? The egg in my sandwich can't be too runny, or else it goes all over you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah. it's important. That. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. These are the important factors. Ali, why aren't more clubs deploying a centre back at right back to man mark Vinny like how Chavi does? <laughs> because not every centre back. Chavi doesn't have a choice. Well, that one thing, but. <laughs> Because not every center back has the sort of speed that uh, Ronald Araujo has. And Ronald Araujo is not afraid of Vinny Jr. For center backs, it would be really uncomfortable to get out there and have to cover space. Most center backs would be uncomfortable doing that. Ronald Araujo doesn't seem to be uncomfortable doing it. In fact, I think he, unlike most defenders, looks forward to the challenge. And that's the first thing that you have to do that you have to be looking forward to this as a challenge that you want to take on. Secondly, you have to have the speed to keep up with Vinny Jr. And then third, you got to be willing to get close enough to Vinny Jr. to let him know that you're a physical presence. Would you fancy the challenge of taking him on, Stevie? Absolutely. Hey, Day. Hi. No danger. Live, all right. All right. Because, by the way, you had the pace. Exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. And the brains. But do, do you genuinely love those challenges, though? when you're coming up against players like that. You genuinely love when the final whistle goes and you go, you know what, I never gave him a kick. <laughs> right. Because you know that from the first minute to the last minute, regardless of having them under control, you know they're capable of. So you don't get too cocky until the whistle goes. And then you can celebrate. And then it's a nice one. All right, Nadam, thoughts on QPR having their third manager in a season. Will they ever make it back up? Wow. Will they ever? Four. Um, I think they will. I think obviously three uh, managers in the season isn't great, but they've brought in someone who did play for the club, who is a club legend, and he just needs to steady the ship and give the fans a little bit of hope because I think they were top on October 1st, and now they've won two games since that point. So I think they're only eight points above the relegation zone. So. Things aren't going in the right direction, but I think they found the right guy. I think they've been crying out for him for the last few years, but he's been unavailable because he's been, I think it was at Wickham. So it's not great, but then again, it's distinctly QPR. I think at some point they'll be up. I think they'll get the chance to go up because I, as apart from say the top three now, most of the squads down there, the players are kind of the same, except they just have a nice bit of form. And as a consequence, they can push up through the league. So I wouldn't bet against QPR in the long term, but for the short term, I think they need to just try and steady that shit. Uh, Stevie revealed himself to be a huge Miley Cyrus fan last week. What surprising artists do you listen to, Frank? It has to surprise us. It can't be just like, oh, okay, yeah, everybody listens to them. Um, wow. <laughs> um, I like The Weeknd. I like the, uh, the band, well, The Weeknd. I love the, the way the guy sings, moves and everything. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of The Weeknd. Nice. Well, I could say many country artists that may surprise you given the fact that I'm, I grew up nowhere near 
<laughs> the culture, but it is uh, something that I'm a big fan of. But I'll go beyond that. I said I, an individual song or a version of a song, Sound of Silence by Disturbed. It's a heavy metal band. And it's a song actually that Stevie shared with me. And uh, it may surprise you, the other songs that they sing are quite um, loud, I should say. But this version of Sound of Silence by Disturbed is uh, outstanding. It's very nice. Very powerful. Nadim, can you surprise us? I can do actually. So. Um... I could raise you disturbed and talk about when I was younger, I used to play bass guitar, so I used to listen to people like Korn. So I am very much into that. Ooh. But then in the same breath, the artist I'm into at the moment, which is really weird, is Harry Styles. I think his last album's amazing. So yeah, I bop along to that on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis. Hold my hands up. <laughs> Do you know what? Back at Real Madrid, we used to do interviews with the players on this series, and we'd ask them to pick their favorite song and it would do the backing of what their interview. And Gonzalo Higuain picked Miley Cyrus the climb and everybody was so stunned and that's why he chose. Wow. <laughs> so there you go, there's one for you. All right, for all. Is it, is it, is it Jimi Hendrix next to, uh, is it Jimi Hendrix next to uh, Nedham? Yep. Yeah. In, in the picture. That's, 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 yeah. that's not as okay. much of a surprise, right? It's, you know, it's Jimi Hendrix. Right. Yeah. See it every day. But, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's Jimi. All right. Legend. For all, start, bench, or drop in their oh. primes. Oh. Vidic, Company, Van Dyke. Ah, oh, Stevie. Ooh. Go on, son. Well, I would have to say, wow. In the prime. In the prime. That's tough. I'll tell you what I was going to say, right? I was going to, I was going to put Vidic and Company ahead of Van Dyke because of the longevity. I mean, both Vidic and company were there for, what, seven, eight seasons? Which Van Dyke hasn't. Yeah. But Van Dyke at his very best. Oh boy, I'll tell you what, Van Dyke at his very best. <laughs> you okay, TV? No, this is a this is a tough one. Do you want to have a little think about it? Well, Nadem, right, this is really all right. Nadem, this, this is really tough. This, this, Nadem's yeah, mates I think in this there is as really well. Tough in because you can see, yeah, because you know all three of them, you know, they didn't they didn't necessarily play at the same sort of time. So you can see how they sort of feed off each other. But I would say. Um, for me, like, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say Vincent Company to probably start, but I'll say that just because when he first came to City, he was a defensive midfielder and he cost about, I think, six million pounds. So for him to all of a sudden have a statue outside the stadium and to have helped change that football club, I think he deserves a lot of credit. So I'm just going to do that. And then in terms of bench, I think Van Dijk's incredible. And I think he's got the potential to be as dogged as Vidic is, but he has that little bit extra in terms of being on the ball. So I would unfortunately have to sell Vidic, and this is where my Man United flipping league pass now goes out the window. So I apologize to all United fans, but that's my order. Stevie? I would probably say company Vidic and Van Dijk. Football-wise, had a bit more than Vidic. But I mean, you talk about a, centre, a competitive centre-back who would take care of anybody, Vidic. I mean, he's, he was a giant. So who you start, start but, uh, It's between company and Van Dyke. I'm going to give Van Dyke the edge for one reason only, lifting the Champions League. Okay. 
I'm going to separate them by that. Right. But great. That's a brilliant question. That's tough. There you go. The bladder. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. Nadam, every time the camera cut to Ten Hag during Wednesday's Manchester United versus West Ham FA Cup match, we could see you in the background having the time of your life. Yes, we, we did, by the way. We all we commented you on this smiling. too. We saw you smiling. Where do you have the most mm -mm. fun? Mm -mm. At Manchester United matches, at Man City matches, or on ESPN FC Extra Time? Oh, here we go. Well, it's, on, a, it's a loaded question. It's clearly Extra Time. <laughs> but in mm. terms of that United seat, of course. I, didn't, I don't realise how much of a hot seat it is until people send me pictures. And I just happened to be smiling because I was talking about other things and just really taking in what they were saying and very much engaged with the atmosphere. So no, I'm not laughing at Man United because every time I go there, they win. So realistically, like, what situation is that? That should be hell for me. Uh, but yeah, it goes Extra Time then Man City, because I tend to sit somewhere warmer, and then Man United, but yeah, get a chance to see one of the best managers in the world at the moment. So yeah, I think that's my order for the three. Wise, wise choice. Should we ask him what the uh, subject of the uh, conversation was? I thought he was looking at memes even. I thought you looked at your phone in that footage, which made me wonder if you were getting some memes laughing about the team. <laughs> And I was I was laughing at the pictures of myself being sent to me, like sitting there looking all moody because with Ten Hag behind. Like I was watching the game, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I guess I made it my two minutes of fame, whatever it, or whatever it is, five minutes. What's a meme? Huh? What's a meme? She's sitting there going, you're getting memes of that. We've got to go and explain what they are to Stevie. I mean, somebody's sending you jokes. Well, that's, that's, a, hey, yeah. that's for a different extra time. That's so for they, another extra time. So they just time. got memes now. That's for next time's so extra time. Yeah. <laughs> See you oh, then. memes. <laughs> we'll talk memes. memes, football, and answer all your questions on extra time. I join us every day for ESPN FC. So a meme, Stevie. Meme. Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC.